We've all heard some great lawyer jokes. Trust us, we've heard them, all of them. But without sounding too adversarial, lawyers are humans too. In fact, that's the main theme of this podcast. Welcome to The Human Lawyer, the time and place where we have conversations with lawyers focusing on the intersection of the existential and the practical. Ashley is a sharer, storyteller, and thinker, founder and host of the No Straight Path podcast. Her work focuses on highlighting the stories behind success, believing that those stories are often shared too late, perhaps at a eulogy or in a memoir. It's a podcast offering an evergreen snapshot of guests who are mid-journey. Ashley is mid-journey, as she freely shares on her website. In November, Ashley celebrated her first 33 years on this earth with 33 lessons. Some, some that stand out, be your own best teammate. One of the best feelings in life is to be held and free. Uh, forgive yourself, identify regrets you can't live with and recognize your privilege. Let's unpack those. But before doing that, know that Ashley is a litigation lawyer at a large international law firm in Los Angeles. She grew up in LA with black Amer American and Guyanese roots. Ashley credits her success to her supportive parents. And after attending Stanford and Harvard Law School, Ashley fought a battle with perfectionism. Her setback set the stage for the comeback, as it does for so many, wanting to share that light for others, freeing them for their next step, Ashley dove into storytelling. She's with us today. So thank you and welcome to the Human Lawyer Podcast, Ashley. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Actually, can I use that? Uh, can I take that introduction? <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. I love it's, it. <laughs> for sure. It's yours. Yeah. It's, your, it's your life. I will. Uh, yeah, I mean, it gets posted, uh, you know, when we release the episode, but you can otherwise, I'll, I'll copy and paste it and send it to you over email if you want it. No, no pressure. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I just love it. And I, I'm excited to be here, excited to share my story and chat with you. And I just love what you're doing. Your work is certainly aligned with the work that I'm doing and my purpose and just centering humanity within the context of the law. So I love that. Yeah, thank you. I guess maybe maybe this is where we start. So you're on, from the internet, you're at like a super large firm. And so um, doing probably really complex work that demands your time. And so how do you how do you make space for this? And when did you sort of decide that you know, this is important to me and I'm going to protect it? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I did juggle the podcast along with the work I was doing at my firm for about six months. So the first six months of 2022, and I was also planning my wedding, we we're already married, but we we're that pandemic couple. And so juggling all three things the first six months was actually really challenging. I got a an unexpected deal with the HubSpot Podcast Network to join their team as an emerging creator, and I had to do weekly podcast episodes. So initially, my plan was just to do a season, you know, 14 episodes. I talked to a few friends. I had them in the queue, and I kind of went back and forth because of the demand of a big law job and didn't know how I was going to actually balance it, but it's also my passion. And so I thought, you know what, let me just try and see what happens. And so, so I did, I did a lot of weekend work. I did a lot of late nights trying to balance everything. And then I talked to my firm and explained my situation. 
And it essentially was a competition. It's, it was an accelerator program I was in. So I needed to get a certain down, a number of downloads to advance in this specific accelerator program. And so I was up against trying to advance, trying to promote the podcast, while also being asked at my firm to lead a team on a new case because someone was leaving. It was just, it all came to a head. And then my my uh, wedding was a week from that. So <laughs> it was kind of a, an overwhelm moment. And I thought, okay, what can I do here? I need to figure something else out. And so I pitched a sabbatical to my law firm. And fortunately, they were very supportive. And I really advocated for myself. I went and had all these conversations with various stakeholders in the firm and talked to the leads on my team to say, okay, who can we switch in here? And I can get this done before I leave. And so then I went to leadership after I'd done all the work. And they said yes. And so I'd actually been on sabbatical for about nine months now. And I asked for a year just to see if I can build it up and take the space and time. So that's how I do it because to do a weekly show uh, in a new fill field is, is challenging. <laughs> yeah, that's so, well, uh, cheers to you. I mean, the sabbatical, I, uh, perhaps that's one, there is, a, there is a nexus there maybe in the 33 lessons that you shared in November. It's like uh, you mm -hmm. said, be, um, let me make sure I quote it right. Um, be your own best teammate yeah. and so um, in order to perhaps persuade others that a sabbatical might be uh, a good idea you have to be you have to believe in yourself and be your teammate in that work and so um, was there a certain level of like courage or uh, something to get you prepared to you know make the case for yourself in that way yeah, you know, I think it was really circumstantial. And I think sometimes when you need to do something, you just do it, you become a, a different version of yourself. And so the other thing that was going on at the time that I recently shared about on my podcast that I didn't share at the time, because I just wasn't ready to talk about it, but I think it's important to talk about was my grandmother was also in hospice care. And she passed away the day before my wedding. So during all of that time, when I was building the podcast out, doing the wedding planning, working at the big law firm, my I was watching my grandmother decline and my mother had passed away uh, from cancer a year and a half before that. And so it also just felt like deja vu for me because it was reliving that because it was the same, it was the same house, the decline, I knew kind of what death looked like. And so there was this underlying grief that was also bubbling up while I was planning my wedding because I didn't have my mom with me too. So I think it was like, I was burned out. Mm -hmm. You know, I was simultaneously passionate about doing this work because I love the podcast and I was getting positive feedback and then I was grieving. And so I think when you have this amalgamation of all these various emotions going on, you become brave. You you start to get courage in a way that perhaps you didn't have before if everything was going fine in your life. So I think really that is what allowed me to ask for it because I saw this quote actually, the secret to having it all is being honest about what you need and asking for it. I was like on Instagram mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember seeing that quote and thinking, okay, 
And I got to be honest, like, I, I can't keep doing this. I've got to take a break. So I'm going to, I'm just going to ask for it. And what's the worst that could happen? They can say no. All right. But at least I tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That, that hits deep. I think as it might hit for a lot of, a lot of lawyers, I think, um, you know, a lot of lawyers have a lot of ownership and pride and in, in, in wanting to always be there for in all ways and everything. Um, and, you know, I think we all know that that's not possible. Right. Like, I think objectively, anyone would say, like, well, no, that's not realistic. But at the end of the day, like a lot of times, uh, a lot of lawyers might have tried to do both. They might have stuck it out for a little bit longer or not done the sabbatical and perhaps you know that might have had an adverse impact on the podcast or it could have had an adverse impact on their health or their practice and so one of the things to your point i'm curious what your thoughts are on this statement i don't know i'm not claiming originality or ownership over this but it's the idea that in order to make space for something you've got to get rid of something yeah it's like it's like it's like the i'm i love shoes i love tennis shoes uh, <laughs> So it's like a one in one out rule. Like if I get a new pair, something's gotta go. So yeah. I'm curious, like we talk about it sort of in the context of your podcast and your firm life, but what are some other examples like in your life where you felt like you've had to get rid of something so you can add something? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say recently it would be alcohol. There you go. Yeah, I am not drinking right now because I just have too much to do. So mm -hmm. I'm still, <laughs> I'm trying to get ahead of batching with the podcast so that when I do return to legal practice, I'm four months ahead in the queue. I've got everything batched out. I've got everything when it comes to the podcast lined up from a promotional publicity side, from a business incentive side. I want to still work out four times a week. I don't want to feel tired. Like I don't have the luxury of feeling tired or sluggish after drinking. And when you hit your thirties, two glasses of wine, oh man, my head is killing me the next day. I'm right. not. <laughs> so that's actually something that I've given up recently to make space for a healthier lifestyle so I can continue to do the work that I'm called to do. Yeah. And, um, you mentioned, um, uh, like the, like the batch process. So you, for, when you're, when you're creating, uh, do you have to get yourself, do you have a routine? Do you get yourself in this? Uh, because I guess I'm sort of projecting here, like at a law firm, you, you might have an opportunity to go into the office or you, you go in and you get yourself into a, a work mindset, or if you have a home office. So when you're, when you're in podcast mode, what's that look like for you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. This is probably the kind of work that I've, the first thing I've ever done in my life where I don't prepare that much, where I feel like I prepare when it comes to questions and I have a whole system. It was so interesting. I actually recently interviewed a woman who also went to Harvard Law and now she's a huge TV writer, producer, 
and she made this pivot. And so she's in the entertainment world now. And she said, you're such a lawyer. When I sent her all the questions with the guest release form and, you know, the vulnerability note and everything that's related to it. So I think I'm very organized and very structured, but when I actually go in and have the conversation and, and I do live podcasts as well, I do public speaking events, I do a little bit of practice, but it's the first thing where I feel like it's a natural gift that I just love. And so I try not to put too much thought into it because I'm trying to do all of the things that take much more work for me is honestly the business side and the marketing side and the cross promotional side. And so I spend most of my energy there because people often ask me, you know, who do you watch? Who's your favorite interviewer? What are your tips for that? And it's, it's a weird thing, but I think I understand now the creator and the creative when they say, I just get up there and I do me. I never got that because I'm such a planned, you know, person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure if that answers your question or were you trying to get it more? No, it's perfect. No, it's perfect. Uh, as a disclaimer, however you answer the question is exactly how the question should be answered. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. And, and the reason why I say that that way is because it, it takes you know, you're the lead, you're the star here, and it takes us in the in a in a new direction. I might have had something else in my mind, but what's on your mind is better. Um, and so, to that point, you sort of uh, talk about like this idea of showing up and just not not really preparing as much and just being you. Um, and it's interesting that um, that that has shown up in part for you from your work uh, with the podcast. So. Um, it's kind of a, this is an on the spot question, so we can, we can pivot quickly if it's too much. Are there other people in your life, whether they're coworkers or parent, friends, family, husband, um, uh, where you see them show up without preparing and you're like, wow, that per that person just has that, whatever that is. Yeah, definitely. My husband, he's a trial lawyer and he's so good. It made me realize, yeah, I, cause I do not like litigation at all. I do more advising and that's, but he is so good at debating on the spot, arguing on the spot, picking apart someone's line of arguing, arguing just easily and very naturally, right? Something that would just take me a while to prepare for and really think deeply about it's natural to him. He was state debate champion you know, in high school, <laughs> it's one of those kids. I was not, I was <laughs> different strengths, <laughs> you know, Harvard Law Review. We met when I was his, I was a legal writing advisor in law school and I was judging the oral argument competitions. And I did not like the oral argument competitions, but I was the nice judge. I was always the kind one. I always provided the feedback, the empathetic feedback. So then when, you know, the students were nervous, that was me. I was the I think who was the nice judge on American Idol? It's a new cast now, but I was, I think Paula uh, at the time. And so that was something that actually, I was very attracted to just his intellect and his ability to present an argument in a way that was very compelling. I found that I was like, oh, wow, he's cute. Like, <laughs> let me talk to him. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's very natural to him. And I love that. I love that. And people see it. You see it in his dad. My father-in-law is like that. Mm -hmm. And he's always trying to debate some issue. And I'm, 
but I don't like to debate things, especially things that I care deeply about because I take things very personally. My personalities, we're opposite on every personality trait. And my father-in-law, he just, that's his thing. Let's debate, let's do this. So my husband grew up in that way where my dad, we don't debate about most things. We kind of, we're very, you know, amicable conversations with a lot of love and cheery and bubbly conversations that are light. And so it is interesting to see the difference, but he's someone that I, you see that gift in him Mm -hmm. and it's nice. Mm -hmm. Does he recognize it, you think? Does he see it as a gift? He does. Okay, that's good. He does. Yeah, you gotta be your own teammate. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know how much when you get in these elite spaces where everyone is so great at what they do, especially when you're more junior associate or mid-level, sometimes you might forget it. But I think that uh, what he's been able to do and accomplish at the age that he's at, he's only 30. uh, I think he finally is, he's getting it again. And I I think you go through these ups and downs depending on your environment. Yeah, I agree with that. What's what uh, what had me smiling about your um, story of meeting your husband is it's uh, it's honestly almost exactly how I met my wife. I was a legal writing, <laughs> legal writing advisor. Uh, oh wow! Moot court, like uh, you know, the <laughs> moot court oral argument judge uh, was her judge. Uh, she had a friend who always came for like legal writing help. And so my wife would come with that friend. And uh, anyways, not to get, go down that path, but uh, it's <laughs> it's a very parallel path. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, cheers to you yeah. all and, and being married. So you got married fairly recently, or at least you. post-pandemic, you had the celebration fairly recently, right? Yes, yes. We had the celebration last year, July of 2022. We got married in 2020. So, yeah. 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 Um, and so like where, where our roads may diverge from a podcast perspective is you, you don't just talk to lawyers. You'll, you'll talk to anyone. Right. I mean, yeah. And so, um, and so given your background, you, you probably will appreciate this. I think lawyers have a, you know, we litigators depose people. Um, and so you, you and that can be a, a certain type of experience. And yet here you are talking to these potentially strangers and you're trying to create a space where they feel like psychologically comfortable and you can have like a open conversation. So right. do you, um, what are some of the things that you're thinking about as you're trying to create um, an episode that is meaningful for both you, them, and and your listeners? Yeah, that's a great question. So I do have my detailed and organized cheat sheet that I do provide every guest just to explain to them my mission and what I aim to do with the work, because I think my podcast is different from a lot of business podcasts. I'm in this The HubSpot Podcast Network is a network for business professionals. And so a lot of the other podcasts, they focus on on business growth, marketing tips, and how people grow their business and they provide their entrepreneurial story, their business story. And so 
my podcast is more about, you know, definitely telling their professional journey and providing information about and insights about that, but really about the human behind that. And so I just try to communicate it. And I also provide a note about vulnerability and that it is welcomed and that it is encouraged and that the best storytelling is honest and vulnerable. And if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, let me know because I want you to be comfortable. But if you want to go there, we can go there. And so I do provide that note. And most people are very open. And I start with their childhood. I try to ask questions that perhaps they haven't thought about in a long time and think deeply about who they are and how that connects to the work that they're doing today. And ends up being good. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself? Beyond that, you, this may be part of your magic, part of your part of your gift, something you're innately good at. Has there been, like for like to be more specific, um, like in November when you shared like those 33 lessons, is there something that the podcast has highlighted about you, like um, maybe with respect to those lessons or things that you might not have fully appreciated about yourself until. Uh, you started to do this in earnest? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it's a little related to what I said previously. So I'll try to think of something else. But in, to be quite frank, I forgot what I said in those 33 lessons. I might need to pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I even sometimes I forget what I was like said in my podcast two weeks ago. Someone will reach out like, oh yeah, I did share that. So I... I think public speaking, it just reinvigorated not only my passion for storytelling, but that I am a good public speaker and that I like it. And I think that I was deterred a bit from it in my legal practice because of the context, because sometimes it would be in a more adversarial context or especially in litigation. You know, I didn't like hearings. And so it made me speak up less but when you're operating more so in your passion and your purpose, you're able to really see like what you're actually good at. Like I would say being an attorney for me is my zone of excellence. Are you familiar with those? You know, the, the zone of excellence, zone of genius. So I would say being an attorney is my zone of excellence, which is great. You do years and years of training to get to this, you know, position in your career and you've worked hard and you've showed a level of excellence and competence. So you continue to do good work. And so I feel uh, proud of myself for that. But I think when you're operating in your zone of genius and when you're in flow, things that perhaps you weren't good at in another context, you realize, wait, no, I'm actually good at this. I actually can do this quite well. So I think public speaking was something that uh, the more I do it, the more live podcasts I do, the more fun it is, the more interesting it is. And so I think that that's, that's a lesson learned. I'm sure there's so many more. If I, yeah. if I think of something else, I'll let you know. <laughs> that's, that's good. But let's do a hard pivot because we haven't talked about something that I think might be worth. I'm sure you've shared it maybe in other ways on other platforms, but um, see where this question hits you today. Stanford to Harvard. So that's, that's, a, um, that's a good pedigree. And so um, how, did you, how did you do both? I mean, and what I mean by that is like, 
you clearly had to do well to get into Stanford, and you clearly had to do well to get into Harvard. Um, so there are perhaps some things maybe in your formative years that sort of set the stage for that. Um, and so just curious what you, uh, what you can share on both of those fronts. Definitely. So I would say manifestation and hard work and support and family, God. So it's, I say manifestation a little facetiously, but I, I do believe it. I do believe in writing your goals down. I do think it's helpful. And so when I was 10 years old, I wrote a letter to myself where I said that I wanted to go to Stanford. I wanted to go to Harvard. I wanted to be a lawyer. I said I Harvard or USC. Uh, and I wanted to be a lawyer. I also said that I love pasta and shopping and TV, which are all things I still love. So I'm the same person. <laughs> and so I was able to do that. And so I was very, very motivated at a young age. I had very supportive parents, only child, a big community of family to support me and all of my dreams and every recital and every track meet and every, you know, spelling bee. And so I credit, uh, my mom started taking me to the library at the age of two. She never had the opportunity to go to college. And so it was important that I did. And so I would say uh, I've always been intense and always been an overachiever. And so that's kind of what's modeled starting from like when I was two to all the way up to Stanford. So I, I really had these goals very young. And so I always worked hard. I was that person who, uh, and it was very intentional, right? So I always did the research of what do I need to do to get into Stanford. Okay, I need to go to these, take these classes. This is how many AP classes I need to take. Let me talk to my college counselor. Like I was always doing that research to figure out how I could get into those schools. And I would say there's certainly some great things about that intense young Ashley, but there's some bad things too when it comes to perfectionism and having challenges with failing and, and not doing as well. Because most of my life, every goal I said I was going to achieve, I did. I did every time. Every, and, it's, and so when I had my first big failure, that was devastating. So I know I'm talking. So that, yeah, so that's, I got there with a lot of like intensity. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, so we need to have you back on because I, I sort of intentionally didn't ask a specific question about the failure because it didn't want, um, you know, it didn't, just vulnerability, right? And, and being yeah. comfortable and didn't, you know, I didn't want, didn't want you to feel like it was an interrogation, but I'm so curious about that because you come off now as someone who's not definitely prepared and, um, and passionate, but not intense. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure that that has been an evolution. And so would love to, to talk about like the evolution of trying to move away from perfectionism, even though, you know, I will, I can't speak for you, but I, I would suspect that probably, um, it can't show back up or you can maybe, uh, you know, be, you can fight it. Uh, uh, so, um, but for now, I think, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. And we, we try to, uh, keep our episodes right at around 30 minutes, to be honest with you. And I don't, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, but it's 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 great to connect, and um, I think we got connected through um, someone, Jordana, Jordan, whom I don't know. Um, fortunately, I was connected to her through Heidi Brown, oh. um, who Heidi is a professor at Brooklyn Law School, and so Jordana and Heidi are going to have a pot. They're going to be on this podcast doing their own thing. Um, but I'm just sort of like. The human lawyer is just like the platform. Uh, and so when we were talking about who would be great, she mentioned you. And so thank you for sharing your time. And maybe uh, if you're so open, might try to get you back on. Yeah, no, happy to chat. Uh, yeah, Jordan's amazing. She's connected. She started listening to my podcast and then reached out on LinkedIn. And then we realized we had such parallel stories. You know, she's double Yale and perfectionist perfectionism and also had to come to that like realization. And so we're very similar. She's still more intense than me. I think I tell her, I was like, got to calm down, Jordana. <laughs> Maybe we can have you both on. Yeah. Yeah. We'd lo- I love that. It'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's what we're going to do. We need to recognize that this is possible because of the hard work and support of the well-run media team. They make this easy. And speaking of easy, big thanks to Huga Coworking for access to their studio. And of course, the lawyers who agree to take time out of their busy, busy schedules to be here, even though we're sure they have better things to do. So thanks for saying yes.